So today I'm really excited. We are going to go ahead and we are going to be resuming this message. We kicked off a brand new series three weeks ago already. Time just keeps flying. It's so crazy. And we are on part three of this already. Y'all remember what we've been talking about? We've been talking about Jesus, right? That's always the the go-to answer. But we've been talking about Jesus being a game changer. Y'all sound kind of sleepy this morning. We're rebuking that spirit. Let's try that again. That Jesus was a game changer. Hallelujah. Y'all are with me. Praise God. So that's what we've been talking about. And we've, as we kick this off, I got y'all thinking, uh, just to start this thing, we talked about how the world has, it's going to continue to change and how it's changed. In a lot of ways, it's changed for good. You know, there are some amazing people, places, and things that change the world and change the game for our good. Right? There's some amazing people, some amazing presidents. There's been amazing athletes that their presence alone literally changes the game and changes the world that they are a part of, right? There have been some, some inventions, some innovations. Anybody thankful for, for, for AC and, and heat on demand inside your home, right? Uh, thankful for running water uh, inside your home. Back in the day when you had to use the bathroom, you had to go outside to a separate building, right? Are you thankful you don't have to do that, right? Those are game-changing uh, things, that changed the world, really marked the world forever, right? And, and all those things are great, and I don't want this to sound cliche, but y'all, we are spoiled as New Testament, modern-day Christian believers because God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and He didn't just change the game. He transformed the world forever. He is responsible, he started with 12, and he is responsible for all of the the thousands, the millions of souls that have come by faith to recognize him as Lord, Savior, Messiah, and all of those folks are one day going to celebrate with him in heaven one day. And I hope and pray by faith as I continue to live for him each day that that I'll be there one day too. Anybody else want to go with me? Amen. I hope and pray that we're all there together. Worshiping for eternity. And so, where are you at today? Are you and God good? Is there sin that you're hiding? Because God can't bless the things you keep in the dark. Jesus said, you shall know the... Man, y'all are good and smart. And the... Shall set you free. Praise God. It's the truth. The things that you hide are the things that are stifling your freedom. You can't be free apart from truth. Amen. And Jesus brought that truth to earth forever. Amen. So that's what we've been talking about. Nothing can compare to the transformation that Jesus brought, right? And so today I want to start in Colossians chapter 3, and I want to give you a couple verses. So we're going to start there, verse 1. Through four, and I just want to want you to set your heart this morning, wherever you're at. I hope I hope you're in a good place with the Lord today. And if you're not, I promise you there'll be a moment for you to either accept Jesus at the end of this service today, or rededicate yourself to Him so that you can continue to, to move forward. And I love this first verse. It says, "Since you have been raised to new life, new life, new promises." Right? I was dead to sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. Right? If he's changed the game in our lives, 
right? Raised us to new life in Christ. Then go, what does he say? Then set your sights on the realities. Somebody say realities. I love that word, the realities of heaven. If he's, if he's redeemed us and saved us, then there's a reality of heaven in my life, right? Promises in my life where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, the whole world will share in all of its glory. So if Jesus changed the game, if, if he transformed the world, he's a world changer. And, and, and you're born-again believer in that fact. Then we, too, can be world changers. Come on, somebody. I can look out there and see a lot of faces. People know, I know that you're running and charging and chasing after the good things of God. You have ministries that are amazing, anointing and calls of God, of people in here, this, gathered here this morning in your life. And if Jesus changed the game for you, he didn't just change the game for you. He changed the game so that you could help change the game for others. Come on, somebody. God's goodness wants to be manifested in your life. And he wants you to preach the good news and preach what God, through Jesus Christ, has done in your life so that others may come and see, right? And experience the goodness of God. So if Christ has raised us to new life, then we too can change the world. We can be world changers. And hey, how does the world change? Isn't it amazing how God, he saved us, he redeemed us, but he uses the imperfect people. And I'm one of those people. I'm going to raise both hands. I'm born again, I'm saved, redeemed, but I'm far from perfect. And I need his presence. And his, Ian, apart from his presence, is no good. But isn't it amazing how God uses the imperfect people that he came to die for and save to continue on communicating that message, communicating that promise? God has more trust in us than we place in him a lot of times. God trusted you. When he died for you for your sins and hopes that you would one day come to him. Right? So let's be all in on Jesus. Right? When it gets hard, don't do things the way the world does. When it gets hard, get on your knees. Open your Bible. Put up the good fight. Pray. Believe. Trust God. When it gets hairy, when it gets hard. Right? Because that's, when, that's how we change the world. And when someone sees you doing these things, walking out your faith, speaking in faith, not just speaking positive. Yes, the world needs some positivity. But, you know, speaking in faith is even better than being positive. When other people that know you see you do that, what does that do? That changes the world. That changes your bubble. And invites other people to question what's going to happen to them one day. And it also invites people to question, hey, this person, he really believes in this. She really believes in this. Right? And that's got to be one of the motivating factors for us as we try and shine the light of Christ and be the salt of the earth out there, outside of the doors of the church. I know a church is more than just a building. It's a people, right? Did you know that? And so that is our commission and if you pay attention, you know it's a dark, dark, depressing world right now. And we can change that. I'm not saying it can get fixed and, cha and changed overnight, but just wherever God has planted you, make that place brighter. Wherever God has put you, 
Make that place shine brighter. And if we take care of where I am, where God has put me, placed me, the people he's put me around and placed me with, then it can exponentially grow from there, right? Look at that first point today. I've kind of already said this in about 10 different ways. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. It's that overflow, that, that overflow of the encounter anointing in Jesus' name that we had this weekend. It's a powerful weekend. 24 people got set free this weekend. Generations changed this weekend. Where's Miss April at? About 1,000 pounds lighter in Jesus' name, right? For 1,000 generations. I like that in Jesus' name. Amen. But that first point, it says, because of the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, we can now walk out the game-changing realities of this new covenant in our daily. Somebody say daily. Daily lives, this new covenant gives us this new life. And so as we just read in Colossians, if, if the realities of heaven are real, and there's a new promise, if Jesus changed the game, this new promise, this new covenant should empower us. You can be endued from power on high if you believe in Jesus. You can't be born again apart from the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives you that you're a sinner and you need to be born again. And so when Jesus departed, he told the disciples, it's, it's far more important that I do go so that I can send the Holy Spirit who is going to be a helper to help you. Right? And so it's that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that is going to be the thing that empowers us, that propels us, that moves us. Right, I said this, this last weekend at the encounter, Holy Spirit gave me this statement, this phrase a few years back. When God moves you when, to compassion on the inside, when he stirs you up, when, when you have conviction of the things that you're doing bad and convictions of the things that you need to start doing, when he moves you, he, he literally physically moves you to a place of faith. When God moves you, he moves you. Right? And so that's what empowers us. That's what propels us and compels us. To be game changers because Jesus was a game changer for us. We're still in Colossians. Look at uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And this is what we have to do on a daily basis. I hope and pray you're in your Bible every day. I hope and pray you're having 10, 15 minutes of prayer. Where you're just sitting in his presence and talking to him. And this is how we cultivate this new nature, right, that we're talking about here. Verse 10, he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become what? Like him. That's the goal. Do you know what Christian means? If you break it down, it literally means Christ-like. So if you're a Christian, what are, you, what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to look like Christ. Act like Christ. Talk like Christ. Christ-like. And it's a new nature. It's foreign to my flesh. It's foreign to the way that I used to live. Right? And it's this new nature. And the more that you practice it, the more that you do it, the more free you become. And I don't want to use the word easy because living for, living for God is not easy. It's a blessing. It's a sacrifice. Right? When you say yes to God, now the enemy actually has a reason to attack your life. You ever thought about it like that? When you're a sinner just doing the, the stuff that you know you're not supposed to do, or maybe you were deceived and you didn't know, are you a threat to the enemy? Now you say, I want to live for Jesus. What does the enemy do? He says, okay, let's see how long this will last, right? And then the attacks come, okay? So all the times you blame the devil for this and that and this and that, it was probably just you. 
your selfishness, your pride. And as long as you do that on your own, the enemy don't have to mess with you. So being a Christian is not easy, but it's a blessing. Amen. It's how he purifies our faith. When those things, those attacks come, it's an opportunity for me to say, not today, devil. I know something better. I know something real. God's got my back, right? And so verse 11, sorry, stop there. It says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. There's a lot there. He, he covers all of his bases. Christ is all, somebody say all, that matters, and he lives in all of us. And so he says all that to say, it doesn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile or if you live in Africa or South America or the United States or Ethiopia. If you, by faith, come to God and say, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, his blessings and, and deliverance and, and, and salvation is available to you. And if we believe this, what can't we accomplish if we run together? We're called to be sheep, right? Sheep are supposed to stick together. <laughs> a sheep that's out there all alone ain't going to survive for very long. Right? And so when you get born again, you're born again into the kingdom of God. God doesn't want you doing your faith alone. He wants you doing faith with other sheep. Because Jesus is the what? The shepherd, right? And if we believe that together and allow him to lead us, y'all, we can change the world. We can change our communities. We can change the school systems. We can change the democracy. Because if you've been paying attention, it's a mess. But we got to start where we're at, where God has placed us. And we have to do it. We can accomplish more together than I can alone. Y'all pray for your pastors, too. Because sometimes I get to this in this place where I feel like I'm doing all these things and I gotta remember I can't accomplish all this stuff alone. Amen. We need to do thing, we need to do this thing together. Amen. Look at verse 12. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe, I love this, yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then he ends with this in verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with what? Love. Which binds us together. There's that word, together. We have to love each other. Together in perfect harmony. In union. In, in, in the right step. Walking together, charging the gates of hell together. And so what I want to do today, let's look at that next point. I'm going to break this little chunk of scripture down. And we're talking about how Jesus changed the world. He's a world changer, game changer. And if he changed the game, it says that we can change the game. We have to look and live like Jesus right, as a Christian. And so we can't just say what we believe, by faith, we, his, his characteristics, his attributes, the things that he did, the way that he lived, have to be manifested in our real lives. And so I feel, I felt like for today, these, these things that we just read, there's five of them, tender heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
I feel like that's the key for the church to change the game. We have to walk in these things. We can't just uh, declare that we have them. We actually have to walk them out. Because that's how we, how we change the game. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do for today. So that first one, that first point there. We need to walk in tender heart of mercy. Because it's a game changer. When you're tender hearted and you, you give mercy and grace. Instead of judgment and disdain. And, and dislike. There's plenty of that going around. And the church is supposed to stand out apart from the world, right? And there's that stuff going on inside the church. Some of the people that you love the most inside the church will offend you the hardest. Right? No church is perfect. I love our church, but we are far from perfect. Right? And so, but we have to walk these things out. It, it changes, and this is why, because it changes the way that we see people. It means we now have a compassion and a pity for others. We must see others the way God sees us. Right? Who loves the mercy of God? Not very many hands. Man, I get them hands up. There we go. Right? The mercy of God, the compassion of God. I'm so glad that he gave me mercy and tenderhearted kindness in my mess so that I could get to where I am today. The thing is, we forget where we've come from, right? And I want that for my life, but I don't want to necessarily give that to the world. I don't want to be patient with others as God is working on them. Why ain't so-and-so getting it, man? I got it, like, real quick, right? So-and-so's doing it all wrong because they just don't understand. I I've been there, done that. God bless me, right? That is a spirit of pride, and divination and judgment. And we're doing that to our own brothers and sisters. Man. Only each and every one of us individually when we stand before God is going to see how patient God was with us. And how tender he was with us. And we're going to be so just, I believe, overtaken with awe and love. Right? And so church, we can't be hard-hardened. we got to be tender. And mild. I feel like much of the world is just walking around with this stony, judgmental, not just spirit, but heart. And it breaks my heart. And now you add this whole other dynamic of, we didn't grow up with this. I, I, I was born in 85, and so social media was not there yet. But it's definitely a part of my life now, and it's going to be a part of my kid's life. And it has just... Social media is not all bad. You can do good, amazing things. You can, you can preach the gospel in there. We use it as the church. But if we're not careful and we're not prayerful and we're not walking in tenderhearted mercies and the gentleness of God, it's, it's just polarizing. It's adding. It's polarizing the church, our nation, everybody. Right? And so if you're not careful, even you as a believer can get sucked into this, this mindset, this way of living. And Jesus, he does not want us doing that. He wants us to be tender. He wants us to be compassionate and, and, and give forgiveness. Right? Why? Because God was that way for us. He was that way for us. All right, look at Psalms 103, 13 through 14. That sounds like it's raining pretty good out there. It says, The Lord is like a father to his children. 
tender and what? Compassionate to those who fear Him. For He knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. I said a little while ago, we got to remember where we come from. I know all of us have a testimony. We should have a testimony. How I looked and lived before I come to know Jesus. If, if you don't have that story of what you used to do, how you used to look, to what you look like now by your faith, then you're probably not born again. Then you're probably not saved. But in this scripture it says, God is compassionate and patient with us because he remembers that before we were living, we were what? Just dust. Don't ever think that you're, you're better than you think you are. You're just dust at the end of the day. God was mercy and had compassion on you to give you life. And so on the flip side of that coin, when I remember that I'm just dust, and I remember the things that I came from, Ian as an addict, Ian the, 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 the dude that brought others down, Ian the dude that hurt people, Ian the dude that lied and, and stole and, and cheated and did whatever I could to, to make myself feel good. If I don't remember where God brought me from, or excuse me, when I remember that, what God brought me from, it brings me to a place where I see people the way God sees people. Because if God did that for me, I have to be compassionate and patient with whoever's in front of me. Maybe they're going through the same thing I was going through, right? Maybe I thought I had it bad and they got it like 10 times worse. And so maybe it's a, more of a challenge for them because they got a lot more hurdles to jump through than I did. Right? Somebody, I promise you, always has it worse than you. Amen? The next one. So we need to be tenderhearted and quick to forgive. And quick to dish out compassion and not judgment. And we need to walk in kindness because it's a game changer. It changes the way that we actually treat people. Right? We treat others the way we want to be treated. Could you just imagine if the world did this? <laughs> if the world treated, if everybody treated each other the way they wanted, they wanted to be treated. Y'all, we... Jesus Christ would literally reign. <laughs> Can we get there? I honestly don't know. But it doesn't discourage me. Because I'm just going to do what God called me to do. So when someone hurts me, I'm going to choose by faith to continue to treat them the way that I want to be treated. Does that make sense? Because the thing is, when we get hurt, we just turn around and hurt others. I got hurt by Billy Bob, and now I'm going to go over here and hurt, somebody help me with the name, Georgie, I don't know. I, I usually use Billy Bob and Linda Lou. I wanted another boy name. I guess I need another one to help me, Sugar Boo, with a, with a boy name one day. But does that make sense? Because Billy Bob's the one that hurt me. But now I'm over here, maybe Billy Bob's somebody at work, 
and then I take it out of my family when I get home. Right? Do you see the cycle of death and how the enemy works? And so hurt people just continue to hurt people. Hurt people hurting people. Hurt people hurting people. And it's the cycle of death. And the only way you can get out of it is you can't just talk about it. You can't just say you're going to do these things. You can't just have good intentions. You have to, by faith, say, when you get hurt, I'm just going to continue. I'm not going to do what they did to me and place that on other people. I'm just going to continue to love people the way God loved me. And when we do that, God will bless us. And we'll change the world around us and the, and the bubbles that we live in, the families that we have, the places that we work. And then look at Romans 2.4. So simple. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? That's so awesome that we were singing that song at the end today. It like lined up right with the message, the goodness of God. How, how wonderfully kind, how wonderfully tolerant and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended, this is what I love, to turn you from your sin? See, if the church goes ahead and does what the world does, you will never bring anybody into the kingdom of God by judging them or hating them or hurting them. When's the last time you brought somebody into the church because you was kind and loving to them? That's the only way we grow the kingdom of God. That's the only way I'm your campus pastor. Because Liberty Church didn't judge me. Liberty Church was loving and kind and opened its arm to me all the way back in 2012 when I moved from Michigan as I was strung out. I had a bag of clothes to my name. Liberty Church loved me into the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Did they do that thinking I was going to be a campus pastor one day? Heck no. Did Pastor Keith think that that dude was going to be the one to marry his daughter? Hackles, no. But isn't God's plan good? And I'm thankful. And so every time we have these doors open at this church, whether it's Friday nights at Celebrate Recovery, Sunday mornings, no matter what anybody looks like, Coming through those doors or, or how they may seem, we, if they are coming here to hear truth with, with an open mind about the truth of God, we are going to love them through the doors of this church because they just might be the next campus pastor one day. And believe me, we're, we're going to launch some more campuses. Amen? Look at Matthew 7.12. It says, do to others whatever you would like to have do to you. There it is. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. I want you to underline, if you're following along, just that, the first two words in that verse, do to. Because the way we change the world isn't by lip service. It isn't by liking and sharing the right things. It's by simply doing. Being kind. Not telling other people that you're kind, but actually doing kindness. Liberty Church could have said, yeah, we love people. Yeah, we're, we pray for addicts. Yeah, we, we wish the best for them. But you know what? They didn't stop there. They said, we believe so much in loving people that we're going to open up the Sunshine House, an actual house where men can come and live with nothing to their name. We won't even charge them to stay there. And then we're going we're gonna to disciple them and teach them the word of God and give them opportunities to fail or succeed. And at the end of the day, God's going to have his way. Right? They, they did something. 
And so, church, we got to be the same way in our personal lives. We have to do something by faith. Right? That's how I prove that I actually believe in the thing that I say I believe in when I, by faith, do it. Right? So let's walk in kindness. Look at that next one. Humility. It's a game changer. It's a game changer because it changes the way we see ourselves. <laughs> and see, much of the church, mo- 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 many of us, I think it's the American way, honestly. We just are so self-centered and so self-focused. And God loves you and he's for you. But until you can get outside of that place where everything of your faith is about you, 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 you're, you're only, God's only using you so much. Because being a Christian is, is not about, at the beginning it is. got to get born again, got to get saved, you got to see you're a sinner. But then it becomes about others. Right? And humility is what empowers us I love this, that second sentence is what empowers us to begin to start serving others. Serving others that are even maybe still in sin. And Jesus, he was the perfect example for this, right? You remember when he did, he washed the disciples' feet? That, that, that alone says a lot, but you gotta, you gotta remember back in the day in the culture, y'all, they didn't have paved roads or shoes. Thank you, Sugar Boo. So they walked everywhere. Unless maybe you had a donkey, maybe you had a horse. The roads were muddy, they were nasty. They had dirt floors even in their homes. And so if you had a, a nice home, you had a servant. And that servant's job was to, as soon as that person comes in the home, what did they do? Wash their feet. And so Jesus was saying something even more. He, he said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to to serve the lowliest, the king of kings demonstrated that he was not scared or, or, or too prideful. He deserves, demands worship, but he says, nothing is above me or below me. I, I will go to the lowest place and serve those that I love. Church, that's the same commandment we need to walk in. Not just serving people that we like. Come on, somebody. Serving people maybe that I even disagree with. With a smile on my face. And if they're not going to receive what I have to say, then maybe after that encounter, I pray for them. Serving them. Loving their soul more than thinking about how we disagree. Or how we can't get along. Valuing their soul more than the disagreement. When you're clothed in humility, you'll never be too good. To serve others. Serving others is another way we transform the world around us. Right? Every year on Thanksgiving, we hold a big Thanksgiving lunch slash dinner at both campuses. And you'd be amazed, even in the community of Holly Pond, we've done it two years now or three. The people that have nowhere to go on Thanksgiving... And they come here, and we have the place all decorated, all the chairs are moved, and everyone makes something. Some of us make like four or five turkeys, <laughs> some more than others. And we come, and all of our leaders, we stand behind there, and we serve the folks as they come through, and every time they're so thankful. And guess what? Not all of them come to church on Sunday. We do that 
not just because we want to provide an opportunity to love on people, but we also say, you know, maybe this is an opportunity somebody can get connected. And so when you do that, sometimes I feel like when we go out on that place of faith and we serve somebody with this, this bigger vision, expectation, uh, for God to do something bigger and grander, and you should have that, but when he doesn't do it, it's like, well, was that really worth it, right? And it is. Because we changed their lives that day. Right? They experienced the love of God. Right? And when you serve others, if you do it in humility, that is literally how you become the hands and feet of Jesus. And Jesus was on his hands and feet as he washed feet on his knees, serving others. Right? Look at 1 Peter 5, 5-6. It says, in the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you, what? Serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. I've seen something in this scripture that I never saw this week. That maybe the favor that I'm looking for, the favor that I need, and y'all know favor ain't fair. There's nothing that can trump the favor of God. I want all the favor I can get because when I have favor, it ain't fair to the rest of the world because God's going to bless me. But maybe the favor I'm looking for is hidden in humility. Did you read that? Did you see that? It says, for God opposes the proud, but what? Favors the humble. So if I'm not experiencing favor in my life, maybe it's because I have the sin of pride that's holding me back from walking in humility. And if I would humble myself before the Lord, I wouldn't just experience His love and His grace and His mercy, but I begin to experience His favor. Amen. And does favor change the world? Yes. Service changed the world. Humility changed the world. And God's favor can change the world. Amen. Look at that next one. Gentleness. It's a game changer. It changes the way we respond to people. And gentleness is actually power under control. A gentle spirit goes a long, long way. If you can, if you can remain uh, in a faith, faithful place, just an even keel, just a confidence, a boldness, right, where you can, because when you know the truth, right, and Jesus said he was the truth. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life, when you know him as your Lord and Savior, you know what? You don't have to lose your cool. When the world outside is losing its mind, you don't have to because you know in your soul you're, you're, you're set, right? You want to bring as many people to heaven with you as possible, but you know what? You, you can rest in the finished work of Jesus. You can be cool, calm, and collected no matter what's going on, right? And if you read this, if you read this book, The Gospels, and you learn about Jesus. Did he ever lose his cool? No. Not once. Well, I take that back. In the temple, he got pretty mad when they turned his house up into a den of thieves. But the thing I get from that scripture is, you know what? There is a righteous indignation. You know what indignation means? Anger. There is a righteous anger that we can walk in without sinning. And so if something comes against the kingdom of God, we can be righteous in indignation towards that. But we still can't lose our cool or calm or collectiveness. 
there's a gentle spirit that we can still walk in in that righteous indignation. Amen? Right? A gentle spirit goes a long, long way. Look at Philippians 4, 5 through 7. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's an amazing scripture. It's an amazing uh, challenge for us. It says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. If we walk in, in gentleness, it should be evident to all, it says. And our gentleness, this is what the Lord showed me, it doesn't just change, it shouldn't just change the way I respond to people and others. My gentleness actually has the power to change even my circumstances. Did you see that? Because it says, in every situation. Maybe the key to my breakthrough in every situation is the gentle spirit that God wants me to walk in. And not losing my cool. And not being anxious. And not being stressed out. And resting in my faith in who Jesus is. And who my Father is. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Right? It says in every situation, we can have peace. Right? We can have patience. And that leads me into the last one I want to give you today that we're going to cover. The last thing that we need to walk in is, is patience. Somebody go, ah. Oh. Right? Y'all, we need some patience with each other. Patience is a game changer. It changes the way we work with others. Patience creates space and allows time for personal growth and divine work to take place. As I said at the top of the seat, every one of us want that patience from others. Man, I messed up. I'm sorry. Just be patient with me. I'm working. I'm trying. Even to God. God, be patient with me. I, I'm not ready to quite lay this down yet. I know you said to, but just be patient with me. That day will come. But we don't want to give that same patience to other people. And, and the Lord showed me something this week. And, and, and patience is actually the peace of God manifested externally. See, you can confess that you have peace. Oh, I have the peace of God. Oh, the peace of God. I feel good, Lord. And then two minutes later, you're short-tempered with whoever, the kids, you blow up, you're already back to your old stinking thinking, and you don't have the peace of God because if you did, the patience would have manifested. Does that make sense? So you don't actually have the peace of God until the patience of God has been demonstrated. Come on, somebody. Your patience is directly linked to your peace, and your peace is directly linked to your patience. And I'm so glad that my God is patient with me. He doesn't withhold patience from me, so I can't withhold patience from others family, my spouse, my kids, that guy that I don't like at work, you fill in the blank. And look at 2 Peter 3.9. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being 
What? Patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Right now, in this day and age, in this season that we find ourselves, the church, the modern day church, Jesus has already came, died, and resurrected for our sins. There is a level of mercy and grace that God is giving us each day that the sun rises. Every day that the sun rises and you have life and you have breath, it's an opportunity to say yes to God. It's an opportunity to choose Jesus. God right now is being patient. Somebody say patient. With mankind and his creation. He is being patient with hardened hearts, a prideful spirit. He's being patient until the day that Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, his patience is going to end. Think how bad our world looks right now. With the church still here. Think how bad it's going to look when God raptures his church away from this place. His patience is going to end. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. I want you to get still before the Lord. I want you to listen to my voice. Are you by faith all in on Jesus? Are you trusting him every day? I'm not saying your life looks perfect. But are you every day meeting with him? Because here's the thing, man. Jesus was all in on you when he said yes to the cross. He didn't withhold. And so what I want to do today is if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of your life today. Maybe you said a prayer before. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. But right now in your heart, you don't feel connected to God. You feel like you're on the outside looking in. And if you feel that way, it's probably because you are. God doesn't want you to feel that way. God didn't put you on the outside. You put yourself on the outside. And God just wants you to come home. He wants to embrace you. Tell you that everything's okay. He doesn't judge you in your sin, but he wants you to confess your sin. And he wants you to place your faith and trust in him. Because one day we're all going to stand before God, give an account to our lives, what we did, and Jesus is going to say one statement as he stands at the right hand of God the Father. He's going to say, come on in. I know you. I knew you. We fellowshiped. We conquered some demons. Some signs, miracles, and wonders happened through you by the Holy Spirit in my name. Or he's going to say, depart from me, you evildoers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. you got to give God permission to know you. And so if you want to make that decision today, you want God to know you. I want you right now to stand up, all in this place. If you are born again and you're a believer and you feel steadfast that God knows you this morning, I want you to pray for the lost right now. And if God is speaking to you right now, dealing with your heart, you're not right with God, I promise you, no one's looking at you. 
No one's going to judge you. This is a moment I want you, this is a, a foundation stone I want you to lay in your faith today. Yes, you can go home, you can say a prayer in your bed tonight and, and get born again and get saved. You can do that. But God wants to do something pure if he's speaking to you right now. He wants this day to be something you remember forever. So I want to give you a few more seconds of that too. If you want to stand for Christ today, do it now. Well, no one is physically standing in our, our physical location, but somebody could be making this decision online watching us. So what I want to do is I want you all to repeat after me this prayer, okay, loud and proud. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We trust you. We accept your gift, your son Jesus, the redeemer of sins, the redeemer for my salvation. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Holy Spirit, help me live in victory from this day forward until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God a big hand this morning. Hallelujah. So awesome. Well, thank you all so much for coming today. Anybody glad you came to church? Yeah, we're glad you came too. Amen. Invite somebody, bring somebody with you next week. We love you. Uh, we're glad you came.